Abed and all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya, folks. Old man Grognard here. Happy Wednesday. I also wanted to say happy Gary Gygax Day, belatedly, and also happy birthday, belatedly, to my friend Eric Tinkar of Tinkar's Tavern, Tavern Chat, and all that. Happy birthday, guy. All right. I kind of wanted to talk about narration, narration, pace, and things like that. And this doesn't just go out to game masters. This goes out to gamers. I usually think of gamers as everybody. GMs, players alike. If I say game masters, GMs, dungeon masters, DMs, that means them. If I say players, that means the players. But when I say gamers, it's all of you. And I want to talk about narration with all of you because it's not exclusive to the game master. As you know, you are all at the table to build a story, to build a game. Well, you know, it's called a game. Some people debate whether it's a storytelling thing or what. But it's a game because it has a start. It has an end. I'm not saying, you know, you win. I'm not saying you move your pieces around the board, even though you do move pieces around a quote-unquote board. So we will accept it as a game. It's an adventure. It's a game. It's a story. It's all that stuff. That's one of the problems with role-playing games in the general public is a lot of people see it as neither fish nor fowl, which means they just don't know what to make of it. That's what took it so long to gain appreciation. I'm not saying we're entirely there, but it's role-playing games because of things like Stranger Things and 5th Edition and things like that. Uh, Big Bang Theory. You know, media has has risen its profile tremendously. I'm so used to thinking of this hobby as a niche of a niche of a niche. And it's just refreshing to see that. But at the same time, I understand why people had so much trouble with it, which I find I find it a little strange. I find it a little strange because, you know, things like role-playing, have been done for years, if not decades, in like the the psychology world, the world of the mind, uh, encounter groups, things like that, where the it using used for therapy. And so, I always thought that you know the public should be at least a little familiar with the concept of role playing. I don't know. I never understood why. I mean, okay, satanic panic aside, I never understood why when you apply that to a pastime or a form of entertainment, it's not right or weird or alien or whatever. But that's a discussion for another day. I'm getting off topic. Narration. Pacing. You all can pace the games. Now, I know the Game Master has the brunt of it. And I'll talk to them in a minute. I want to talk to the players for a minute. You can alter the pacing of the game just by role-playing and playing your character. Your character is a certain way. He has Every character has a certain pace about them, too. Some are really fast. 
They talk fast, they do stuff. I, I, oh, I go over here. I go over there. Da, da, da. And then, you know, the, the game master has to adjudicate that and all that. And some characters are very slow, thoughtful, introspective, thinking, or very, very deliberate. They just think out everything before they do it. They're, some may be overly cautious. Some may be this or that. The other, it's all part of the personality. And that affects the pace of the game. That affects the pace of the interaction between the players, between the player characters, and the player characters and the game mass, a.k.a. the world. So you you have that power to affect the pace and the... And the, the result, of course, the result, I mean, it's your actions. You're the one who's reacting. You're the one who's acting on the world. So you have a lot of say in that. You, you, you alter the course of events in a world, no matter how small. They always talk, I've always heard them talk about, well, how do the players interact and impact the world in a significant way? Well, guess what? They impact the world just by being there, just by by walking and talking, and I mean, it may not it may not change the status quo of anything, but they are impacting the world. Now, then, from there, they will go on to impact the world in more meaningful ways. If you're doing the adventures right, you know, <laughs> if the game, game master is doing the adventures right, you guys are role playing, right? Well, there's no right, but I mean, you know what I'm saying, effectively. But you that you will impact the world in some way or another. So keep that in mind when you're when you're playing your when you're playing. When you're when you're inhabiting your character and have them do things. Now, you know, this this kind of leads to like something that is kind of obnoxious is the statement that would my, that's what my character would or would not do. Now, a lot of times, if you would say that, I would expect you to, to back it up. I would expect you to say, okay, how? Because I don't want people to go around. It, it, what I'm saying is it can be abused. It can be abused by, I mean, you know, in acting, it can be abused. That many a, many a rift between a director and an actor on films or plays or TV or anything like that come may come from something like this. It may come from other things too, but may come from other things at the table too. So, you know, when you say that's how my character would act or my character wouldn't do that, you've got to take into account the entire game, everybody else. I mean, I'm not saying as the character you have to take care. I mean, there are characters who are just standoffish that way. But I'm saying as a player, what's best? What's best for the game? What entertains? I mean, this obviously it may entertain you. I don't know, but what I'm saying is, what's best for the game? What's best for everybody around? Because you know, the game master at the end of the day has to entertain everybody, not just you. Because he's got a table full of people, and if they're enjoying themselves and he's enjoying himself, then it's a win-win. But if you know, if you're going to throw a monkey wrench, you know, where you kill another character, saying, "Oh, that's what my character would do," that's not right. That's that that sounds like that sounds like a a jerk move. It really does. It sounds like a dick move. So, you know, that's something to think about. I'm just kind of spitballing right now about the player's responsibility. The player, well, how the player can affect the game is what I'm saying. 
responsibilities, right? So let's flip it over to the other side of the screen. And as far as pacing goes, well, no, wait, let's stay on the, the player character. Pacing goes, I've already explained, the way your character acts affects the pace. It affects the pace of the... What I'm saying is, in the game, in the game master's wheelhouse, he can affect the pace of the game many number of ways. In the player's wheelhouse, they can affect the game in a scene, in a scene-by-scene, scene-by-scene situation. They can affect the pace of the scene by their speech and what they say and what they do. And it's a handoff. You know, they do something, the game master has to react, or the other player reacts if he's he's role-playing to another person, another character. And that's how they affect the scene. And that is, you may not think that's much, but that is more powerful than you think. Because your pace affects the game master's pace and vice versa. Because once again, it's like a, this, the game's like a tennis match. They ask questions, the, the game master answers, etc., etc., etc. So let's flip over the game master's side. You, affect, you can affect pace many number of ways. You can t- talk soft, you can talk loud, you can talk fast or slow. And the pace is the, the pace is something that new game masters or even old game masters struggle with. But if you just keep in mind what the story's about and where they are in the story, that should give you a clue as to whether you should ramp it up, you should slow it down, you should speak softly or loudly or whatever. Description. Description is the GM's the GM's thing. Because he is a narrator. You're all narrators. And narration could be a tricky thing. Or it could not. Sometimes you look at scenes. I look at scenes. Once again, I'm looking at it from an actor's point of view. I look at a scene and I can tell how this should be played. What I should say. How I should form my words. And... I always try and take it from a first-person point of view, or I should say the character's point of view, because, you know, you are the character's eyes and ears in the world, because you are the world. Because they won't know unless you describe it. And if you describe it very softly, very intensely, you can... you can. It's all about tension. It's all about tension. You can ramp up the tension, you can let it go, Speaking at a different pace, at a different volume, affects that. And the tension, you you got to know when to just pull it tight and when to release it. Now, I don't think that's critical on the whole, but within certain sections of the game, you've got to adjust the pace because I've played, I've ran games before where the pace is pretty leisurely. But, for for instance, my Monday game, the pace could be pretty leisurely, but the players know what the characters are into. They know what kind of situation they're into. 
And so as a game master, I can play off of that. You know, I can, uh, it's, it, here's, here's one thing. Like you're walking into a room and there's a chest there. And you don't, you know, the player's cautious as they are. Oh, I walk up to the chest. The thief walks up. Oh, is it trapped? You roll it. And I said, no, you don't think it's trapped. And he says, well, I'm, I'm going to try and open this. All right, make your roll. And he makes his roll. I open it. And I said, make a saving throw. Save, make a saving throw. Boom. You affect the pace. Now they know something's going on. Because I'm talking very softly when they walk in. You see a room. You see a chest. You see a chest, and it doesn't look like it's locked so, or trapped. So you, you pick it open and, oh, make a saving throw. You know, that kind of thing. That automatically puts them on their toes. Or um, I know rolling for surprise is kind of a tradition in most some games, but you can also do, you walk around a corner, run into an ogre, boom, roll for the shift. Or you can roll for a surprise. See, to me, rolling for a surprise, the mechanic itself is kind of wonky. Because, one, nobody ever thinks of using it. Even me, as the game master, has forgotten to use it. And to me, it's a situational thing. It's a role-playing situational thing. Because, you know, you walk around the corner, you run into an ogre. Boom! You know, you know the... You've got to determine how alert this ogre was. Maybe he heard them coming down the hall, and it's like he jumped out. Ha! Huh. But this time, he just walked. He wasn't even paying attention. He just The guy turned a corner, he walked right into the ogre, wasn't paying attention either. So it's a mutual surprise thing. I don't need to roll for that. I can role play that. And if I want to do that, I understand the surprise mechanic is to get... Because you can get the jump on somebody, so you get an extra attack or something, or they get an extra attack. I can adjudicate that. That's okay, even if we don't roll for it. I'm just going to say, you had surprise. They had surprise. I can, I can ask like I can ask querying questions like, how are you walking down the hall? And I will say, how are you walking down the hall? Without see my. Even when I'm criticized, even when I ask somebody for criticism of anything I do, I never say, well, did you like it? I never say that. I say, what do you think? And so when I ask characters, because to me, if you say, did you like it? That predisposes them to, to even if they didn't like it, to say I liked it. And I want an honest opinion. So when I say, are you guys, are you guys walking down the hall in any particular way? I'm not trying to tip them off, as it were, because if I see something like, oh, you guys make a lot of noise walking down the hall, they'll immediately go, no, 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 we're, we're being quiet. Or especially if somebody has some like, like wearing full plate, <laughs> full plate mail. Are you, are you walking down, are you trying to be cautious? Yes. And I may make them roll for a stealth or something like that or some BS like that and determine that, okay, they're making a certain amount of noise. So I, I don't like, as a game master, I don't feel like you should be asking, see, this is part, this is where, where the GM is part lawyer. Don't ask leading questions because it will put them on their guard. It will, I mean, maybe you want them on their guard at one point. Well, that's fine. Okay. You want them on their guard, you know. You want you want to stress something, but but on the whole, it's like try to ask 
generic. I mean, you want the information, of course, but try and ask, try and catch the questions in a way that they're not going to be alerted. Because you just you want to see how they're actually playing. I want to see how the characters are actually. It's it's kind of a metagame thing, is what I'm saying. You put the players on alert, the characters become on alert for no good reason. Now, you could do this by description, too, saying, oh, it's really quiet out here. You can hear a pin drop. Man, that echo, the acoustics in here, you can hear everything. That kind of thing. You know, you can drop little hints like that. So, don't ask leading questions. That's all I'm saying. But anyway, that affects the pace of the game, too. You walk around the corner, you bump into an ogre. Boom! Roll for initiative. And I can... I will adjudicate whether he's as surprised. He's who's surprised enough to get a free action if there is a free action to be taken. Because that that right there, walk around the corner, you bump into an ogre who wasn't paying attention, and you're both surprised. So to me, that negates any kind of free action. But that's the way I would handle it, and so that affects the pace of the game. All of a sudden, you're in combat, and boom, 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 and you know. You're in the middle of combat, and two more show up. Uh, you know, so you can ramp it up like that. So be mindful as players, as GMs, to mindful of the pace and mindful of the narration, you narrators out there, all of you. And so take away what you will from that. I'm going to go start my day. If you want to talk to me about this or anything else, oldmangrognar at gmail.com for an email. If you want to talk to me, you can drop me a voicemail on Anchor. And we are monetized, so as little as 99 cents a month, you too can help me with this program, and I would thank you. And thank you, Jonathan Dorje, Wendell, Justin Oliver, Shriek, Gilbert Soros, and Juan Carlos Llewellyn for supporting me. Thank you very much, guys. So, until I see you next time, folks, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Thank you.